Welcome to the Rooted Project podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help Christians in growing past the planet stage of their Christian life and provide meaningful, practical tips for teens and those that lead them. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rooted Project podcast. I am your host, Josiah Sansoni. Hope you are all doing well wherever you are right now listening to this. I hope that everything is going great. Today on the podcast, I have my pastor at Canaan Bible Chapel, uh, Dan Henwood. So Dan, I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll get into our conversation. Well, thank you, Josiah. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Been looking forward to it. A little bit nervous about it. A <laughs> uh, little different uh, situation for me, but I'm excited to be able to uh, to talk to you and, and share some of the things that God has been teaching me. Um, I've been in ministry for uh, close to 25 years now. Uh, graduated from a Canaan Christian Academy. I'm not even school. 25, if that tells you anything. Oh. I'm not even 25 years old. <laughs> oh, so, great. <laughs> yeah, not to make you feel bad. But. Uh, oh, thanks. Now I've written as if I didn't feel old enough before. <laughs> so. But uh, actually, I'm a graduate of our Christian school, Canaan Christian Academy. I graduated in 1988. And then the Lord led me away to South Carolina, where I got my bachelor's degree at Bob Jones University, uh, and then was married that summer. So my wife and I will be celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary this year in June, and uh, excited for that, and and, uh, so excited to have her as a partner in ministry together. And then we spent four years actually ministering out west before the Lord led us back here to, to Pennsylvania. We've been back in northeastern Pennsylvania for 24 almost 24 years now so how has um, been good where where were you out west i uh, actually ministered most of our time there was spent uh, working with a church in kaysville utah which is about a half an hour north of salt lake city okay uh, right in the heart of mormon territory okay yeah i was curious i was so, curious yeah. so i know that there are some uh, ministries out there so i was curious mm-hmm. if you were involved yeah. in any of this so um very interesting. I um, just interviewed a pastor from New York City, from the middle of Queens, okay. and we dealt we dealt a lot with uh, what city ministry is like because I think that's something that a lot of people are curious about. We have mm-hmm. a lot of people from from, from small towns um, who will have churches like that, and then you very rarely hear about people who are in churches in very tight, packed cities like New York City. Right. So, what uh, my first question that I want to talk to you about is um, what is ministry like in Lake Ariel or Northeast Pennsylvania? How is it unique? Um, how do you work with that? And then what are some obstacles of being a rural, rural, rural church, however you say rural? Um, uh, what are some unique challenges that come with that? Because we have a pretty wide spread group of people, I would say, mm-hmm. um, coming from all over the place. And I think sure. that's something... Um, we don't necessarily have a town that we're affiliated with because right. we have people from all the places. So what are some what are some of the unique mm-hmm. ministry uh, opportunities, some of the hindrances, and some ways that you guys, that we work around that here? It actually took my wife and I going away for four years to start to figure out what set this area apart because much of what we knew of ministry and life originally had been in this area. And so spending those four years away helped us to get a little bit of a clearer picture of what's here. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me is the family connection. It's not unusual, whether it's in a church or in a community, to find so many people, even the people that you weren't expecting, uh, how interconnected they are to one another. There's some kind of a family um, root system that runs through them. Having been, and even the ministry when we were in Utah for a while, it wasn't a large ministry, but it was close enough to larger cities that you got a feel for that. And then coming back here, 
um, really made me appreciate the smaller church ministries. And most of what we've been involved in have been smaller churches. In fact, Canaan is the largest church uh, that, uh, that I've ever been an active part of with between um, 150, 175, close to 200 people. Uh, most of the churches I've been involved in have been less than 100 people on an average Sunday. So, how has um, how does how does distance like affect the way you plan ministry things? Like, if you understand that you have people that are coming from, like me and Karen, we come from an hour away every Sunday. Right. How does how does um, that kind of affect the way you plan things? Do you still plan them, and then if if people can come, that's great. But if not, like you're understanding, or do you kind of like try to gear it towards those people? Like, oh, they have to drive far. We want to make sure that they can be able to attend. How, how, what's your thought process behind planning stuff like that? It depends on the event. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I was just having a conversation about some special meetings that we're going to be having uh, in November. And traditionally, our evangelistic meetings have been like they always were. You have an evangelist come in, he starts on a Sunday, maybe goes through a Wednesday. Sometimes they want to go the entire week, so you go through a Friday. Uh, and for families that are coming from a great distance, like your family and others, it's very difficult to make that commitment every single day for a week. It's not that they don't want to. It's just very difficult for them to make that commitment. And so we're trying something that I know some other churches have done this year with those meetings where instead of having a meeting every day that is for everybody all at once, uh, we're going to run this meeting from Thursday to Sunday with Thursday being an event geared towards one group. Uh, We're specifically looking towards possibly the ladies. Then having another event on Friday geared towards the men. And then another event on Saturday focusing specifically on the teens, which I know is a big burden for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want to provide something that not only our teens can be fed by, but it will also give them something special that they can invite their friends to where they know they're going to have an opportunity to be exposed to the gospel. And then Sunday, when people are typically familiar and comfortable with and are accustomed to everybody coming together, then on Sunday, then we would have the normal, uh, kind of a normal schedule where the evangelist would do then Sunday school, Sunday morning, and do our Sunday evening services. So uh, it depends on the event. Some things you can adjust, and some things you have to say, uh, that's going to be difficult. It's usually the multi-day events that you Mm -hmm. struggle with uh, because people are so spread out. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's super creative. I like the idea of doing the um, evangelistic services like that because there have definitely been times where we have had stuff that's been a couple of days and Karen and I are like, I'll go one day <laughs> just because it, it is such, such a, uh, um, not a, not a burden in a bad way, but it is a lot to put on your plate, especially when some families have kids. I know Karen, I don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine pack, trying to pack up like three kids into the car, drive an hour, go to sit through church service and then drive an hour back. And I, I can only imagine, um, that, that would be quite the undertaking. Um, another idea I just had, but I, I gotta think about it. What was the question? Um, guess we're moving on. I can't remember the question. That's, <laughs> that's, okay. that's, a, that's a real shame because I thought it was a good one. But um, So what are, what are some wins that you'd like to share right now that are happening in your ministry? Um, it's, I find it funny that I'm actually saying this, but the pandemic has actually, what originally looked like it was going to be a major defeat because so many things were shut down, uh, actually is turning into something incredible. And I, I'm not surprised because of how great our God is and the sovereignty and knowing he has a purpose behind all of this. 
and I think a lot of purposes behind all of this. And one of the things that I've been encouraged by and one of the victories that we've experienced is there have been some people in our community that we've been burdened for, that we've been praying for. I'm thinking of my wife and I in particular, but I know others in our church family have been uh, burdened for and have been praying for uh, about you know getting them plugged into church exposing them to the gospel. We've had personal conversations with them. Usually they're conversations that can't last more than two or three minutes because uh, they're in a doctor's office or they're in a grocery store. But we have found that many of those people have been open to accessing us online because we are online and because people are, are clamoring for a sense of peace and a sense of hope. And because of the connection they already have with us or with somebody in the church, and because they don't feel like they're making a major commitment, in most cases, they don't even think that anybody even knows that they're there. They can kind of slip in, hear what's going on, and then leave, maybe draw something from it. Uh, and to know that there are people that we've been praying for that I know for a fact, either because they've told us or we have other ways of, of knowing that they've been watching some of our, our services online we know that they're being exposed to the gospel. And that's really exciting. In fact, right after the very first Sunday uh, of the, the quarantine, and we're all still trying to figure out how we're doing this and how to improve it so that we can reach people. Uh, Pastor Nick and I um, had a, a, a casual conversation. We were texting back and forth. And he said, do you realize that this past Sunday, this first Sunday of the quarantine, perhaps more people in all of human history, heard the gospel on the same day than ever before because they're looking for something and more churches than ever before are now online. And it really has opened up some, some great doors of opportunities. And I can't wait for us to get back together again, not just because I miss the fellowship, but I'm looking forward to getting back together again because I want to hear more of those stories because I think there are more of them that are out there. Yeah, I think... Uh being able to look at everything that's happening as an evangelistic tool, mm -hmm. as, as a purpose, um, mm -hmm. can greatly not only affect how we do church afterwards, mm -hmm. um, but how our how our walk with God looks um, just in the willingness to be a witness maybe a little mm -hmm. bit more because it's a time where it's like before you wouldn't want to share it because maybe you're nervous or maybe um, you don't know how this person's going to view it or you don't know mm -hmm. if they're really open. But now is a time where like a lot of views are being shared. And if you have a good testimony and you're willing to put the gospel out there, you could certainly affect a lot more people than you could before because of it. And I think that uh, that needs to be a viewpoint a lot of pastors and, and Christians in general need to have is that, hey, like this was for a purpose and we can do something about it. So that's super encouraging. And I love, uh, Nick told me that too. And Nick, uh, that the more people heard the gospel probably that day than mm -hmm. had ever heard it before in human, human history. And that's an encouraging thing to think about too. It also changes the way that you approach your preparation for a message when you know that you're going to be standing in front of a group of people. And we we've already been audio recording our services, but we've never done any live streaming up to this point. When you're preparing, you kind of have an idea of who's going to be there. You know who's going to hear the message. And not that you're trying to tailor your messages so that you're going after one person or one particular thing, but you at least know how to, to speak to certain items or you know, well, there's certain items maybe that we don't have to address. Now you have no idea who's watching, who's listening, uh, and the opportunities are wide open. I mean, our prayer meeting last night, uh, we had a young man that I've known for 
20 years. I call him a young man. Uh, he was one of my students when I spent some time teaching full-time here at the school. And he was actually watching our prayer meeting, and he lives in Maryland. And so we've had people from Maryland, from Idaho, from South Carolina, from Utah, from all over the country and other points around the world that are being exposed to the gospel or they're hearing, and it changes the way that you're preparing as well. Yeah, so that, like, yeah, I, I completely understand that. Even with uh, some of the youth group videos we've been putting out, mm-hmm. just like there have definitely been some kids that are not in our youth group specifically. Sure. And like that have been watching or some, it. I, I try to think about the fact that like our kids could share those videos with their kid, like their mm-hmm. friends and be able to kind of reach out that way. So I understand what, uh, just the idea of being able to, of, of needing to prepare differently, not just right. being able to. Um, so I, I love looking at wins um, just because, it is easy to get kind of bog, bogged down by the mm-hmm. difficulties. Um, but what are some of the difficulties that uh, we have experienced at Canaan, like through the pandemic? What are some, some of the things that you would say have been difficult to kind of work around and get through? Uh, I think it's adjusting to the utilization of all the technology because your immediate thought is, how are we going to reach our families? How are we going to stay in touch with one another since we can't be together in person? How are we going to um, expand opportunities to share the gospel with people? And so if you start digging into this stuff enough, and you're a tech guy, mm-hmm. uh, and you, so this is, this is within your wheelhouse. And I enjoy technology, but I don't spend a lot of my time in it. There's certain aspects of it, uh, the PowerPoints, the pro presenters, um, using Microsoft Office, those types of things are part of what I do. But when it came to live streaming, what do you need for live stream? What do you need? Um, what do you need to transmit? And then you start hearing about um, services like or platforms like OBS. And, you know, then you've got Facebook Live. Well, do you use Facebook Live? Do you use YouTube Live? Do you record? Do you do everything live? And suddenly I'm finding myself having to spend more time delving into the technology. So it's not just the preparation for the message. It's now that there's a message, how do you communicate that? And I've spent a lot more time with technology than I've wanted to, as much as I enjoy it. It's been a little bit of a frustration, but it's a part of it. And if you want to keep communicating with people, you're you're going to have to dig into it. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of pastors have run into is mm-hmm. the is the not knowing. Uh, like they use Facebook every day, but they don't know how to share on it very well and like right. stuff like that. One of the things I appreciate that I feel like appreciate that I feel like our church has done very well is not just throwing our Sunday service at Facebook and just being like, okay, this is the same thing that we've always been doing, mm-hmm. but we're trying to adapt it for the medium because mm-hmm. it is a different medium. If you're having right. a different conversation, if you're having a conversation with an unsafe person, you're not going to talk to them the same way that you would talk to a same right. per- like safe person. You would use language that they would understand better. And I think it's the same thing. Same idea for Facebook is, is you, we're not all in a pew. Right. We're not all sitting together purposefully worshiping it's it's more casual people are on the couch they're 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 in their pajamas and they're on a screen there are pop-ups there are comments there are likes there are notifications Mm -hmm. and it's a different medium so i really appreciate the way that we have been um trying to adapt not change the message the message Mm -hmm. doesn't change scripture doesn't change but kind of adapt the message for our facebook um with our teens videos that me Mm -hmm. and nick have been doing and then with the way that we've been doing our sunday mornings and then Mm -hmm. the stuff we've been doing for the kids like i think that's a great way to use what we have and be able to be purposeful because mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to being purposeful and right. and not just kind of letting things happen. Sure. Um, 
So I think that while that's been a difficulty, it's again, showed mm-hmm. us a blessing and a win of, of how we can mm-hmm. be using stuff like that better. Um, so one of the ways kind of in, in that realm of things, um, you've talked a lot about um, missing the music side of church mm-hmm. and, and I understand that. And mm-hmm. um, what are some ways that we've been trying to implement it back? And what are some other ways that you would like to try like in the future? Mm-hmm. I, I realize that music isn't necessarily everybody's niche. It's not in their wheelhouse. Uh, I grew up in a musical family. My mother played piano and organ uh, and, uh, and the accordion. Uh, my father uh, played trumpet and trombone, even with severe asthma. Um, still, it actually benefited him. And so I grew up around a lot of music and grew up with music in church. So when all of this happened, one of my first areas of concern beyond just communicating the message uh, and making sure that God's word got out was was regarding the music because it has been such an important part uh, of my life. Um, you know, we tried something uh, initially that didn't work out so well, just with having, you know, something playing on the side. Uh, and and this is where the technology came in. It sounds one way when you're in person, but then when it comes mm-hmm. over the technology, you're like, oh, that did not work well. Uh, and uh, in in this vein, one of the things I'm very grateful for are uh, a number of publishing houses that have uh, agreed to let their music be utilized for free during live stream services. And so uh, publishers like Church Works Media or uh, James Kurtz, who is um, a musician who does a lot of, uh, of accompaniment music and so forth uh, and arrangements, uh, gave permission for his music to be used without having to, to pay for the use of it. Uh, the Wilds was very gracious in allowing us to do that. And so uh, some of the initial steps that we did were, were utilizing the Wilds music, creating music, lyric videos, and then incorporating them into the service, playing it um, throughout the service. Uh, and then recently, we've, we've take, made it a more personal thing uh, by having some of our musicians come in uh, our pianists uh, come in. I know you recorded one for today, for this coming Sunday, where uh, they would come in, we would record them playing a piano piece, and then we'll incorporate that into the video that's shared on Sunday. Um, I would love to, I think the next step, depending on how long things continue, and we still don't have a clear picture of how long that's going to be, um, is personalizing it even more and not just having the instrumental music but actually having some, uh, some music with words as well, and not just recorded, but having small groups like um, solos, quartets, mixed quartets, men's, ladies' groups, uh, who would be able to come in. We could still fit within the, the limitations that we're being asked to, to uphold right now. And, and yet that personalizes it even more because that's, it's not just an outside group ministering to us. It's our own church family ministering to uh, to us as well, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I uh, I've seen a lot of churches implement that in a few different ways, especially even during uh, like when everything was super strict and we weren't like really mm-hmm. supposed to leaving at all. Um, and I've thought I've been trying to think of some ways that we could we mm-hmm. can make that work. Uh, sure, I haven't ironed them out yet. Right, um, I'm certainly not the most musical person. I, I know music <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I've been trying to think of some ways that I could get help that help with that but uh, sure. i don't have it don't have it fully down yet me and right. Ma- me and maggie are thinking about a, a guitar or a ukulele uh maybe mix special but uh excellent we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there. Okay. Who, knows? who knows no promises okay. this, this podcast is not a promise that we're going to do that so I, I, will <laughs> tell, I will tell you that 
the two of you I had actually thought of already. Oh, no. So oh, don't no. be surprised. I've been trying to get the kinks worked out in the early systems and, mm-hmm. and uh, see what else we can come up with. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll, we'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. But I do think that being able, I, th- I do think we've implemented it well. I really mm-hmm. appreciate having the, uh, like our own pianist coming in play. And mm-hmm. like that really does personalize a lot. When sure. I, when I saw Mrs. Monster did it last week, I yep. was pretty happy about that. And then recording my mother-in-law today, right. like yep. I thought, I thought that was a very good way to mm-hmm. do it. Um, Cause yes, there is an aspect to where that, that music still ministers it to you. But when somebody is purposefully ministering that music to you, that does kind of change the aspect of how you feel about that music. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can Christians best be edified with music without being able to be in church and to be singing with other believers? This is something that I've, th- I've thought about a lot in my personal life, um, but I'd like to kind of hear your answer on that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting question. So. Right. Oh, I, I would say it's definitely an interesting question. Um, <laughs> My immediate response to that is continue to take advantage because music is so readily available there. Uh, continue to take advantage uh, of that. Um, I, I would also encourage, because so much of what is is available out there in recorded form is by intention. It's more performance-based. Uh, I would also encourage, if you don't have a copy of a hymn book or uh, available to you, there's plenty of that type of music and that type of content that's available online and to make that a part of your daily devotions because it compels you to focus on the words, not on the tune. And maybe as a part of your devotions, find a hymn, find a text that goes along with your Bible reading that day and read through and meditate on what the hymn writer um, had to say. Because when you're not thinking about, well, am I singing the right note? Uh, Am I singing too loud? Am I singing too soft? You're focused on what the hymn writer intended. You're focused on the words. And I think you draw so much more out of it. Uh, it's something I've always been burdened for in our congregational singing, that we, not got, that we not get so caught up with how we're singing and how we're sounding that we miss the words, we miss the content. And that's really the key for our music. And so that's a way to incorporate it, even if you're not musically inclined. It's something that you can do that continues to keep that music there in the forefront. And there's a lot of great music out there, a lot of great hymn texts that we could benefit from. Yeah, I uh, that's kind of along the lines of what I was going to say is just like making it a part of your personal devotions mm-hmm. instead of just like a, a, uh, every once in a while in church thing. Um, what I've been doing um, that's been encouraging to me and I've just really enjoyed is I play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my devotions in the morning, um, I'll just grab my guitar and then ultimateguitar.com. Mm-hmm look it up. You can find basically any chords for any song you want in there. And then just going through and picking songs. And if I think of a song, searching it and then finding it on there and just playing through and singing it. Uh, It doesn't always sound great, especially because this is normally first thing in the morning and my voice isn't ready to sing. But that's just been an encouragement to me is, is being able to spend a little time worshiping God, like very purposefully through these songs that are written. Um, Another thing we've talked about the wilds is their wilds hymn books um, Mm. have the chords in them. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really a really easy way to just kind of open up the hymn book and just start flipping through, like with no intention of what song you're going to land on, just kind of flipping through and playing. And that's been an encouragement to me, including that, like just in my morning routine of being able to spend specific time singing to God and worshiping God in ways like that. Um, So one of the things that I did in the the two weeks leading up to resurrection weekend uh, as a part of my devotions is I I read the passage of scripture that uh, was a part of my daily Bible reading. And then I picked um, I specifically use the wild. Um, I, one of their CDs, uh, and that is specifically geared towards the resurrection. And so each day as a part of my devotions before I prayed, 
I would listen to and really focus on the words of, of that hymn that, that they incorporated into it. It was, it really was a great addition. So there are creative ways of being able to do it. Yeah. And I think, I think that when, when we started putting music more and more into um, our personal life, we'll realize how important it is mm-hmm. and like how, mm-hmm. how there is a purpose for it and mm-hmm. uh, that it edifies too. It's not just for fun. That's right. Um, so it's definitely been part of the, the church experience, church experience. I don't know if that's the word that I want to use, but we'll use mm-hmm. it. Um, that I've missed a lot is mm-hmm. being able to, um, just sing on Sunday morning. And, sure. and I'm hoping that when we get back together, maybe we'll have a, a, a an elongated uh, worship service. There you, know, you go. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the big guy. Um, so what are some ways, what are some ways that we can be praying for you right now in your ministry? Um, pray that, that we as pastors, and I'd encourage whether you're a part of Canaan Bible Chapel or, or whatever church you're a part of, to continue to pray for your pastors. We're all working through this together where it seems like we're, we're being exposed to new things, having to constantly learn new things, adjust, adapt uh, to what's going on. But my biggest prayer request, in fact, I had somebody ask me, sent me a text this morning and asked me uh, the same question, how can I pray for you today? Uh, and I said, just pray that we uh, continue to stay faithful to God and to his word. It's easy to get discouraged when you can't see people face to face, when you can't maybe personally address specific needs that you know are going on. One of the things that's come out to me that I've been reminded of is while everybody's focus is so much placed on the on the pandemic, people's lives are going on. People who were battling issues with cancer before this started are still battling with cancer. But the pandemic has also complicated their their healthcare. Families that were struggling, marriages that, that were really struggling, those struggles didn't go away. In fact, in some cases, some of the problems have only been enhanced because of this. And it's frustrating as a pastor because you want to minister to people where they are. And when you can't be with them personally, it's very hard to, very hard to do that. And so praying that we stay faithful uh, to God and that, that he gives us wisdom to know how to specifically minister to needs as they arise. What are some, um, what's something that you'd like to share for your church or to your church right now? Boy, there's a lot. And <laughs> I wish, yeah. you know, I, it would be so much easier. And my dream, obviously, is to have everybody back together again. Um, but just to remind them that we're here for them, that we love them. And even though we can't see them in person, we're praying for them. And we want to support them in any way that we possibly can and that we're continuing to try to minister God's word to them. Uh, and so take advantage of the opportunities, take advantage of prayer meeting on Wednesday nights at 6.30 on our Facebook Live, take advantage of uh, the Sunday services, uh, take advantage of the other services that are available out there as well. Continue being fed uh, by God and his word. Uh, and then uh, one of the things that's come out of this, one of the new things that we've done uh, was our blog as well. And it's a part of our website. We we're utilizing the website in more creative ways than we've ever done it before with incorporation of the videos and and now the blog. And every Tuesday morning and every Thursday morning, there's a new post there. Pastor Nick shares on Tuesday morning and then uh, on Thursday morning. Sometimes it's a devotional. Uh, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, these are the things that we're learning. These are the struggles that we're having along with everybody else. Uh, my blog post, uh, my most recent one, uh, was actually about my frustration with technology. <laughs> and just the fact that you feel like you're in front of a screen so much. And that can take its toll when you're constantly being exposed to the screens and to the te- 
the technology and the importance as a Christian of finding time to step away from that, whether it's you know throughout the day or whether it's pay, taking a day and saying, today, no screens. Today, I'm just going to focus on something else. Karen and I are doing that Saturday. Yeah. Are you? I, Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. So I completely understand. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to have this conversation. Well, uh, it's been so. a lot of fun. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Rooted Project podcast, you can follow us anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Anchor. We put these videos up on YouTube as well. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you take the time to subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, let us know, interact with us uh, on the comments and stuff like that. Uh, if you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SciSansoni, at SciSansoni, I messed up my own Instagram handle, um, <laughs> for updates on stuff and interact on other topics. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been The Rooted Project, and we will see you in the next one.